Well, we arrive at the end of this series of sermons that we've been doing over the last five weeks where I've been inviting you to think about the vows that those of us who are members of the United Methodist Church made on the day in which we became a member and then have reaffirmed every time anyone else has joined the church ever since. And for those who are considering uniting with the United Methodist Church and with this church in particular, to give you a sense of what our expectation is of you as you unite with this church family. And the membership vow that we make is to support the church faithfully with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. And I held prayers, even though it's listed first in that order that we uh, claim when we join the church, or we make when we join the church, I saved it for this particular weekend because my sense is is that the season of Thanksgiving that culminates in a day of Thanksgiving, we are probably more mindful of just how much God has blessed us and how grateful we are for the many blessings of God in this season than in any other. And so I thought that it might be good to end this series of sermons by considering briefly what it means to faithfully support the church with our prayers. And I guess if you're going to teach on prayer, it might be a good idea to teach in the same way that Jesus taught on prayer. For the disciples never asked Jesus, how do I preach? Or how do I heal? Or how do I deal with difficult people? But they did ask Jesus, how should I pray? And Jesus provided instruction for that. And the first thing that seems clear to me in Jesus' instruction about praying, as as we've seen in the scripture lesson this morning, is that it really isn't um, about the show of it all. Uh, I think all of us clergy, when we stand up front and are invited to pray, sometimes we're, we're concerned that, that our prayers might be perceived as, as showy. We, we want to lead by example, and we want to pray thoughtful and, and prayers that really get at the heart of what we think our people are struggling with and what the world is struggling with. At the same time, we don't want to make it appear that it's all about us. Uh, Prayer really is what Jesus said when you stand up before people. Don't stand up in public and make a big show about it. And uh, what Jesus is saying there, not that it's not appropriate or acceptable to sometimes pray publicly. But what Jesus is saying is that's not what prayer really is about. Prayer is not about this big public event, but it's about me and you. It's about having devotion to Christ. It's about expressing adoration to Christ. It's about confessing our sins to Christ. It's about expressing gratitude and thanksgiving to Christ. It's about uh, submitting our lives to the Lordship of Christ. So it's not about this big public show. And the other thing that Jesus wants to make clear as he's teaching the disciples this morning is that it's not about the fancy words that you use. You know, the greatest compliment that people give me about my preaching is that, 
You know, I can understand you, Tommy. You don't get up there and you use a lot of big, fancy words or phrases. You know, I, I, could, I could wow you with some of those words that I learned in seminary, but truth is I don't want to, and truth is I've forgotten what those words meant anyway. But when you pray, it's not about the words. It's not about being showy. Sometimes the most beautiful prayers are, are, are the simplest prayers, the prayers of a child. You know, I was at a Thanksgiving table this week where uh, the children led the prayer. And, you know, of all the prayers they could pray, you guessed it. They prayed the one, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. And as I was anticipating preaching today, I was thinking that, you know, that prayer honors God. It might get on our last nerves because that's the prayer we hear over and over and over and over again. But God delights when, when our children pray such a simple and yet profound prayer. And so Jesus wants to be clear before he even begins, really, the teaching of the prayer is that, that I want you to know that it's not about this public spectacle. It's really ultimately about a conversation, a dialogue, communication between us and Jesus, us and God. And it really doesn't matter what kind of words you use, the Anybody can pray. Whatever is, comes to mind, whatever comes out of your heart, that's what God wants to hear. And so you don't have to worry about having the right words or saying the right things. God's so full of grace that even if you were to say the wrong thing when you prayed, God was like, that's okay. You know, I, I believe that with all my heart. But what Jesus does say when um, he's talking about how should you pray? Well, pray in this way. And then Jesus begins to pray what we uh, now call as the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus says, when you pray, begin by saying, Our Father. What Jesus is really getting at that is Jesus wants you to know that you have an intimate relationship with God. And, and so when you go to God... Uh, God wants you to know that there is this intimacy that exists between God and you. It's a familial relationship. And so that's what Jesus really wants us to get at. Now, I've known people who, who have had such an abusive father, whether it be spiritually or emotionally abusive, and I'm talking about an earthly father, that, that they find it very difficult to pray to God as father because it conjures up these uh, images, these these uh, abuses that they've experienced at the hands of an earthly father. Well, the Bible is full of descriptions for God. And so maybe you might find it difficult to pray to God as father, but you could pray to God as the Prince of Peace. You could pray to God as a mighty counselor. You could pray to God as creator, redeemer, sustainer. There's so many words. So just pick a word that... That, that ushers you into intimate presence with God when you pray. That's what Jesus is after here when he wants us to approach God with such intimacy. And even as we pray intimately to God, Jesus does also want us to realize that as close as God is, God is still set apart. God is um, still to be adored. God is um, special. And so that's why Jesus also wants us to remember that, that God's name is to be hallowed. It's to be revered. 
It's to be respected. And so we can approach God with intimacy, but we also approach God mindful of just who God is and what God is doing in the world. And then Jesus says to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think the point that Jesus is trying to make here is that when we pray, God desires for us to seek agreement with God, with the intentions of God, with the desires of God. And and so when we pray, if we begin our prayer, if we preface everything that's said after that by saying, ultimately, Lord, I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to come in my life and in the world just as your kingdom comes in heaven. So when we pray, it's important for us to seek to align our will with God's will. And Jesus teaches that here. Jesus then says, give us this day our daily bread. And I think the gist of what Jesus is saying there is that we need to be mindful that ultimately in so many ways we are not in control, but that we are dependent upon God. And to pray only for this day's bread is to just trust God enough that God not only will provide this day's bread, this day's nourishment, but that tomorrow you trust that God will provide for you again. And so when we pray, we're to pray with intimacy to God. We're to realize to whom we're praying this God is to be revered. Uh, We're to pray that God's kingdom would come, that our will would align with God's will. And we're to have placed dependence and trust in this God. That this God cares for us and loves us and will provide for us. Jesus then ventures off into forgiveness and says that we are to forgive our debts as we are to forgive our debtors. We are to forgive our trespasses as we forgive. We seek forgiveness for our trespasses as we seek to forgive those who trespass against us. And what Jesus is teaching there is that in the same way that we need God's forgiveness, even though we don't deserve God's forgiveness, so too we should be willing to forgive others, to offer that same kind of grace to other people that we seek so desperately from our God. It keeps us humble. It keeps us mindful of how much we need God's grace and forgiveness. And it gives us the opportunity to model God's grace and forgiveness in the world. And it's in reminding us to show the same mercy to others that we seek from God. Finally, Jesus talks about... And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. The Bible is full of periods of trial and testing. Obvious ones that come to mind are Job and Jesus and maybe even the Israelites as they're wandering in the wilderness. What Jesus, I think, is praying for here is to remind us to always pray that God would remove anything that would destroy 
or threaten our relationship with God. It could be that Jesus is reminding us that when these times of trial come, to seek instead to see how those trials might be used by God, even if God doesn't remove them, to help grow us in our faith and in our reliance and in our trust on God. Well, a few weeks ago in the newsletter, I um, told a story about a book that I read several years ago by John Kralik. And in this book, it's a memoir of sorts. It's about an attorney whose life was just unraveling. Everything that you could imagine that could go wrong in his life, it appeared as if it had gone wrong. And he was really struggling, and he was really at his wit's end. And about that time, he got a letter from a friend, and the letter expressed gratitude to him for something. And he began to wonder, what if I shifted my thinking, not toward all those things that I have to be sad about and depressed about and despondent about, what if I began to look every day for something to be grateful for? Something that I haven't thought about before. Maybe expressing gratitude to God for something that I've never expressed gratitude to God for before. How would that change my life? And Kralik then decided that as he sought to do that, that he would actually write a handwritten note one a day to express gratitude to someone. And it changed his whole outlook on life. It didn't change a lot of the circumstances in his life. Those were still there. He was still struggling in so many ways. But every day when he got out of bed, he said, I'm not going to focus on that stuff. I'm going to look for something today for which to be grateful. And it allowed him to endure and persevere, and eventually get through a lot of those difficult circumstances in his life. There are lots of ways to pray, but I thought today, as we end this weekend of Thanksgiving, that it might be a good time for us to offer a prayer of gratitude to God for what God has done for us. And so in this past Newsweek newsletter, I ask you to be thinking about a, a brief summation of something that you might be thankful for. Now, do I need to define brief to the congregation? Um, one or two sentences, maybe even just a phrase, something for which you're grateful. And I want to invite you, if you have something that you would like to express gratitude to God for, if you would just begin to make your way to the front. We're going to have a microphone here. Um, and if you're able to come to the front and offer that word of gratitude, I would invite you to begin making your way to the front now. If mobility is an issue for you, then uh, if you will raise your hand, we will bring a microphone to you. But it will just go faster uh, if, uh, if you can come to the front, to come to the front and we will give you a microphone. If you're absolutely petrified of speaking in front of people, uh, they say that that fear is greater than the fear of dying for a lot of people. 
you can write it down. This is the one time I will permit you to write it on one of those offering envelopes in front of you. You can write it down. You can hold that up. And then we will come and we will read that for you. I do hope there's someone here that's grateful. Someone here that would be willing to come forward and share what you're grateful for in a brief way. I invite you to come now. that I could walk into this church this morning after my accident with my ankle. Good morning. I'm a little nervous. Um, my name is Curleen Joseph, and um, Miss Linda is my next-door neighbor, and she invited me to church today. And um, yesterday I had a horrible day just dealing with people in general. You know, I was at a job and didn't have the great experiences and then some other things happened in my personal life. But she invited me to church some days ago and I said I would go. And so this morning she called me to say, you know, are we still going to church? And I was like, you know, I had a bad day. I just really don't want to go to church. And then moments later I realized I just can't give in to Satan and just let him just ruin my day and just me getting closer to God. So I'm very thankful because last year was bad for me. I lost my grandkids. My oldest child, you know, was involved in drugs. And I was really in a bad and low place. I had like a mental breakdown. And I'm just very grateful to God today because I took a big step. I came to church and I opened up my, my heart and my mind to God. And I'm not where I was last year, so I feel like I'm growing as a person. So I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. I'm just grateful for all of you. You've made my life so much more beautiful than it was in the past. So I thank God for each of you every day. Promise. I thank God that I can be a part of all the ministries at St. Mark's that touch so many people in our community. And I pray that this year I challenge all of y'all to get involved in something and help to pay it forward. I'm grateful for family and all of those who have become family over the years. And that's many of you. I'm Bob Dodigan. I lost my wife eight years ago, and I'm so grateful for God for the many years we had together. Well, I'm in the choir, but I don't usually use a microphone. But my name is E. Billings, and I'm very thankful for this church. Thankful for all the prayers that y'all have given me, my family, especially my sister. And I don't mean to cry, but I'm just truly grateful. Uh, she had surgery, and she had a terrible time getting over that surgery. She was in and out of the hospital for over a month, and then she had to go to Adam's place. But 
thank God, she's so much better. Y'all just don't know how much better she is. It's amazing to see her to walk and to talk and to know how she knows. And when she didn't know anything at all there for a long time, and I am so thankful to God that she is well. And thank you all again so much for your prayers. I'm thankful for all the wonderful children here at St. Mark's. Uh, they're just awesome. And I'm particularly thankful. It means a lot to me. I can't explain it that both of my kids are here with me today. It means so much to me. Well, I'm thankful for the grump in 55 years. And all of you that know me, I call him grumpy. And I'm thankful for our lives together, but I'm thankful for this church and all the support that you've given us. Thank you. I, too, am thankful for a husband of almost 61 years. Uh, so thankful for you. Uh, and we heard on Thanksgiving, we're going to have another great-grandchild. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for my sister. I'm grateful for my family and our health and happiness. Anyone have anything written down uh, that you want us to share? I have been asked to um, express gratitude to the congregation and staff for the way you generously support uh, our partnership with Reeves Rogers School. And this comes from Mary Jane Henry, Margie Jennings, and Peggy Jackson. <laughs> 